Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, folks, it's Tito here with the Buckeye Blitz on Fans 3 Sports, powered by DSP Media. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, lots to get into. Follow me on the X at that happens. Also, go to fanstreamsports.com. Uh, download the app, uh, free app, Fanstream Sports app for Apple and Android. Uh, check that out as well. And uh, you can get around the block programming from Fanstream Sports and all of our different outlets. We have so many of the great shows that we have um, in our array of um, hosts and talents. It goes across the country and many different um, sports, different teams, and all that. So make sure you check us out. All right. Um, Jim Harbaugh got suspended again for at least three games. That happened at the end of last week on Friday. And um, they tried to get a uh, the Big Ten commissioner, Toby City, came down and said, you're suspended the final three, pre- three regular season games of the season. Harbaugh found out about that. We landed in State College uh, for their game against Penn State this weekend. And they tried to get like a, um, a federal court to um, to uh, overrule that temporarily, at least to a temporary restraining order is what it was. I'm sorry, a, a, a TRO to... Um, allow Harbaugh to coach. That did not happen before the game, so Harbaugh did not coach. And now on Friday, there'll be a hearing, and Harbaugh is going to uh, say he's going to attend that, and he also wants to speak. So as they're trying to get a restraining order of the three-game thing, and uh, Harbaugh said, this is I'm going to talk on Friday. I'm just looking forward to that opportunity, due process. I'm not looking for special treatment, not looking for a popularity contest, just looking for the merit of what the case is. Now, what I found interesting about all of this is that um, Michigan has not disputed anything to this point. They have not come out and said, um, you know, they, all they want is they, they say they want due process. All they really want is delays. That's what they want. They don't want this to drag. They want to have this, hey, you know, we'll drag onto it. We'll talk about it after the season. We'll wait and see what happens. That's all they want. They want delays. They say due process. What they want, though, is to wait until after the season. Um, Michigan, it's, they, no one's come out and said, hey, by the way, uh, no, we we did not do these things. Uh, uh, no, uh, you know, uh, Stallions, uh, Connor Stallions was not on the sidelines at um, at Central Michigan. No, we did not steal signals. They've said none of these things. They've not disputed anything publicly because they know it's that they can't. They can't do it. And so all they want to do is keep delaying and delaying and hope it doesn't get into something bigger. Hope it doesn't cost them a game. Hope that they can still be in the CFP, the Big Ten Championship game. And this is just the beginning of the three-game suspension by Petiti for Jim Harbaugh. There will be more punishments. I wouldn't be surprised if Harbaugh is done coaching. Now, granted, he still may coach, I guess, Big Ten Championships, CFP if it happens, bowl game, any of those things. But this should be it for Jim Harbaugh. Michigan needs a stiff penalty imposed upon them for doing this. They have not disputed one damn thing. Now, Michigan, to me, is no different than... Barry Bonds or Millie Vanilli, 80s reference. What I'm saying is, people who will argue about Barry Bonds and say, Barry Bonds, you know what? Even without steroids, Bonds would be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe. Maybe. Probably. Maybe Michigan would have won all these games without the sign stealing. Maybe, but we don't know. Millie Vanilli, maybe they could have been a great act if they say they're in songs. We don't know. Because they didn't give us the opportunity to do that. 
because Barry Bonds cheated, Millie Vanilli had uh, voice and you know, literally guys that were singing for them, people singing for them, and we don't know about Michigan and Harbaugh. That's where they're at for me. It's a joke what Michigan has become and the fact that they are um, trying to just get delays on this to get through this season. They're worried about, they're not worried about down the road. They want to get, they haven't won a national title by themselves. They want to go out there and win one uh, this season. And they know that if they get that, then they will live with the consequences. That's all there is to it. If they have to vacate it later on, they will live with the consequences on that. So uh, Michigan did take care of business against Penn State. Looked good. Penn State, the Penn State-Michigan game looked a lot like Ohio State-Michigan. As, or Ohio State-Penn State. I mean, the way that they, you know, I Ohio State, I felt threatened when Penn State had that uh, that scoop and score that got called back for a penalty. At that point, if it hadn't gotten called back, I would have been concerned a little bit at that point. But by and large, Ohio State took care of business Penn State the same way Michigan did. Um, Saturday, the Buckeyes dominated Michigan State. They won 38-3 in a game which Ryan Day probably could have put 70 up on Sparty if he wanted to. Oh, good Lord, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison ran for a 19-yard touchdown, caught seven passes for 149, two more touchdowns. And he exited the blowout. He left early in the third quarter, not because he was hurt, just because they were blowing out Michigan State. Um, but he put numbers up that will certainly catch the eyes of Heisman voters. He also became the first Buckeye to ever have multiple thousand-yard seasons. And if you think about that, listen to that. This is off the top of my head, the Buckeyes I came up with. You do all the great receivers at Ohio State. He's the first one to do it. Chris Carter, Gary Williams, David Boston, Terry Glenn, Chris Olave, Michael Jenkins, Michael Thomas, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Ted Ginn Jr., Joey Galloway, Brian Hartline, Terry McLaurin. All those receivers have come through Ohio State. No one had multiple 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Uh, Kyle McCord, he was flawless in the win. He went 24 of 31, 335 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the 335 passing yards, career high for him. Three touchdowns, ties a career high for him. Uh, nice to see Kate Stover back with seven catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown with his next reception. He will become the all-time leader receptions for a tight end at Ohio State. I don't list the tight ends that were great there, but there's been some good ones coming through. Uh, Lincoln uh, Keenel's even got into the game, took some snaps, so that was nice. By the way, I'm going to show this here. You see that this is a Brookhaven Bearcats shirt. Uh, this is not a Michigan shirt, even though Brookhaven, my alma mater in high school, was a blue and gold. It is a blue shirt. It's not Michigan blue. It's Brookhaven blue, so don't give me crap about that. Uh, the Buckeyes, they rushed for 32, uh, 32 times for 177 yards, averaged five and a half yards a carry. Travion Henderson, Xavier Johnson, Chip Train, and B. Devin Pryor all log carries in that one. And uh, Dave, by the way, he was coaching up right until the end. Uh, he was clearly bothered by some missed um, assignments on offense down the stretch of the game. But the game well out of hand, just some situation where they, they took a penalty and a missed block somewhere or a missed read somewhere by a running back. But he was upset. You could tell he was coaching all the way until the end, final few minutes, even with Ohio State up 38-3. to um, He was still doing that, uh, which was fun to see. It, it, he was taking it serious, and he should. But all these, even with you have the second, third string guys in there, still doing that. The defense, despite missing some stud players, they lost. Uh, the late, the ransom wasn't in there, and either Josh Proctor, not with, not it was Tommy Eichenberg. We'll talk about them in a minute. But they stifled that Spartans offense. MSU was two for fourteen on third downs, had 182 total yards, 88 yards passing, 88 yards passing on 27 attempts, 3.2 yards per carry. Now, the only knock on the, on the defense was it did not force a single turnover, but that's really nitpicking because they clearly dominated Michigan State. Um, and again, Ohio State, by the way, outscored the opponent in the second half. This time it was 3 to nothing. After the game, Ryan Day was talking to the 11 Warriors. He said, uh, Tommy Eichenberg's status, he is week to week. Uh, Josh Proctor, they um, they think he thinks they'll both be on the field rather soon. I think they'll both be 
be there for the Michigan game at worst. They might play against Minnesota, but they'll both be on the field very soon. Not so good for Lathan Ransom. Um, Ransom, he, he was on a, a scooter, um, a, a knee scooter during the game, and he said, it's a, the day said it's, it's, a, it's not long-term. Um, he said it is long-term. He said he thinks that Proctor's back, but he thinks that Lathan's is long-term, so don't expect to see Lathan Ransom on the field anytime soon. Ryan Day, by the way, now 38-2 in the Big Ten. So, the Buckeyes now have Minnesota up next, 4 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday before the finale against the Wolverines. Uh, the Buckeyes remain third in the AP Coaches Bowl, uh, AP and Coaches Bowl, I should say, behind Georgia and Michigan, ahead of Florida State, Washington, and Oregon. Um, the Buckeyes, uh, the CFP ranking come out on Tuesday. I expect them to probably fall to two. They might fall to two. Georgia, Ohio State should be one and two. Michigan will be three. And we'll see what happens to four. Four will be interesting because uh, Florida State uh, struggled with Miami um, on Saturday. And they were a double-digit favorite. They won by seven. But it was a close game. We'll see if the voters do anything with that one. But we've got five undefeated teams. Power five undefeated teams are 10-0 and 0 right now. That's never happened this late in the season in the BCS or the CFP era. So it'll play itself out. I mean, if Georgia wins out, Washington wins out, Florida State wins out. Um, and then you've got the Ohio State-Michigan combo, whichever one of those wins out to be the other team. We'll see. If that's how it holds, or if there's upsets, and then we got to start with one loss teams, will they get in? You know, you still got the conference championship games. Georgia and Alabama are locked into play in the SEC. Upset potential there. We'll see what Washington still has some tough games to go. And also, then the Pac 12 against Oregon. We'll see how that plays out as well. Um, one thing that seems pretty certain, and I can't believe I'm saying this Iowa, Iowa is going to likely win the Big Ten West. Right now, they uh, by the way they they exploded for 22 points to get Ru- against Rutgers, 122 to nothing. They are now eight and two overall, five and two in the Big Ten West. Should be nine and one and six and one, but the refs stole that game from them against Minnesota on the punt return that the refs tried to say was a fair catch when it wasn't. So they got robbed on that. They should be nine and one, six and one instead. They're eight and two, five and two. It's amazing seeing a team. With so little offense, have so much success. Iowa, uh, they they host Illinois and Nebraska to close out the season. Host Illinois and play at Nebraska on Thanksgiving weekend then. Uh, they hold a two-game lead over Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota. Okay. They have a two-game lead over five teams in the Big Ten West. They control their own destiny, obviously, but they uh, if they go one, win one more game, they win the Big Ten West, which is amazing to think about this Iowa team. And to see them, I'm excited to see what they would do against uh, Ohio State or Michigan, but Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, by the way, 5-2 and two would have them tied for third in the Big Ten East. They're the only team in the weak-ass West to score more than they have allowed in conference games. So uh, it, this is this is the it for, the, for a lot of the teams in the Big Ten West. As far as the addition of the four teams coming in with USC, UCLA, um, Oregon, and Washington into the Big Ten next year and the elimination of multiple divisions, it's going to make it nearly impossible for Iowa to make it to the Big Ten championship game again. Same thing, really, for Wisconsin. I think um, it's going to—it'll be a hell of a lot, lot tougher for both of these schools to get there. Right now, they have a chance. Hell, Northwestern has had it, gone to the Big Ten championship in recent years. Those days are over. They will not. When you've got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, U, uh, Washington, uh, Oregon, UCLA, it's a hell of a lot tougher to get to the Big Ten championship to be the top two there. So don't expect Wisconsin. Don't expect Iowa. Sure as hell, don't expect Northwestern to get in there. Speaking of Wisconsin, by the way, they lost at home to Northwestern in 24-10. All the hype surrounding the Badgers, of which surely I contributed. I was excited about the Badger Luke Fickle this year. 
I thought their game against Ohio State at night in Camp Randall was a scary, scary game. If Wisconsin goes out, loses Indiana, and now loses at home to Northwestern. It seems foolish now for how excited we were about Wisconsin. They are five and five. They are three and four in the Big Ten. Uh, Northwestern is somehow one win from becoming bowl eligible. Their last two games are home against Purdue and at Illinois. They win one more. They're bowl eligible after all the stuff that happened in the preseason with Pat Fitzgerald, all the bad press they got, and they are one win away from being bowl eligible. Congratulations, Northwestern. They'll never win the Big Ten, but congratulations to again. I should say they won it before. Uh, other Big Ten college football news. Texas a has ended their relationship with Jimbo Fisher. Uh, they'll pay him $76 million not to coach the team. I wonder what's going to happen next. Now, i, I, I got to believe they're going to at least pick up the phone and call and see if Urban Meyer has any interest in doing it. They will absolutely do that, and they should. I doubt Urban Meyer would take it, but they've got, obviously, the deepest pockets, and maybe Urban Meyer wants to go back to the SEC and give it a shot. Who knows? Uh, I don't know about what Jimbo Fisher will do now, because now Jimbo Fisher, the money he is getting from... A&M, there's not, a, there's not like offset contract language where if he signs a deal somewhere else that he has to give some of the, that he's not going to get all the money. It's, $76 million is his, no matter what, from A&M. I think $20 million gets paid out in the next couple of months in a lump sum, and then monthly installments after that for the rest of it. So, not that he would take less money somewhere, you know, a lesser contract that he's entitled to, but it certainly would make it more attractive. I wonder if a school like Michigan State will call Jimbo Fisher and say, hey, what would you do to come to East Lansing? What can, how can we get you here and see what kind of contract it would take for that? Um, I, I don't see it happening, but you never know with that, with the money and things like that. Would Fisher want that challenge of going to the Big Ten um, and, and trying to turn Michigan State around? But it'll be interesting to see what Texas A&M does. You remember A&M famously, back in their early 80s, came this close to getting Bo Shem Beckler to leave Michigan to come to A&M. They offered him a guaranteed contract that would make him the highest paid coach in college football history, and he almost took it. And they decided at the last minute to stay with Michigan. So AM has no problem, no problem whatsoever going after Big Fish. And that's why I think Urban Meyer is a possibility as far as someone they will go and try to talk to um, about. There's other candidates to it, Texas ties with um, AM ties. I get all that. There's other people that would be uh, candidates probably more likely to take it. But you have to wonder if they should, if they will, they should make a play for Urban Meyer. Let's talk Ohio State men's hoops now. They played. A&M, speaking of A&M, and uh, on Friday night, Buckeyes lost 73-66. Uh, to 66. Not a bad loss for Ohio State. Uh, the Aggies are the real deal. They've got Final Four potential. They've got the kind of makeup you need for a Final Four team, a veteran backcourt. Look, A&M's uh, preseason SEC player of the year, Wade Taylor Fourth and Tyrese Radford, they combined for 42 points in the game, and they looked phenomenal. And it's a junior and a senior there. And like I say, Taylor is Wade Taylor Fourth is the preseason SEC player of the year. Also, Henry Coleman III, he had a double-double of 20 points and 11 rebounds. That's 62 of the 73 points they scored. So they're going to need to get contributions elsewhere, but if those guys can put up those kind of numbers, they're going to be damn hard to beat. Some of the shots Taylor made were just the kind of, uh, you do like the double take on, like the how did he get that to do that from that angle with that guy in his face type of shots. It was fun to watch, tough loss for Ohio State. Uh, they were, it was a very competitive game. And it's just that the uh, A&M just did more at the end than Ohio State did. Uh, Buckeyes got out-rebounded 45-35. to Bruce Thornton scored a game-high 24 for the Buckeyes. What I love about his game is how effortlessly he seems to score and how even keeled he is. Uh, Jamison Battle had some offense early that he provided, the transfer from Minnesota. Uh, he finished with 10 points. But the Buckeyes were just 4 of 19 on threes and just 10 of 17 on free throws. 
not a panic loss. Like in women's, I'll talk about women's too. Early season losses, no reason to panic. If you lose to a quality opponent, nothing to panic about. Holtman said, he's not that concerned. Look, he, he schedules these first few games, he said, with differing styles to get his team acclimated to playing teams with different styles. A&M plays a really strong man-to-man defense and do a great job of switching. They've got a lot of positionless defense on this team, guys that can guard multiple positions. That's a great challenge for Ohio State. Coming up next, uh, Merrimack. And uh, Merrimack, Holden said they've got one of the best zone defenses in the country. That will certainly challenge Ohio State. They should win easily against Merrimack. It's going to be an adjustment, though. Uh, Holtman also added a couple of players uh, to sign on the dotted line last week to commit to Ohio State. They were already committed to Ohio State in the class of 2024. But uh, Judy Mobley and Colin White both bring different skill sets, but they're solid players. Holtman got them. He's going to continue to keep building these great classes. I love what Holtman is doing with recruiting for Ohio State. I like the freshman class coming in this year. The 2024 class looks good as well. The seventh-ranked Ohio State women's basketball team, they defeated Indiana University, Purdue University of Indianapolis. IUPUI or UIPUI, call it what you want. Uh, 108 to 58 on Sunday. They won that one. Ohio State scored 13 of the first 15 points. They led 84 to 45 after three quarters, scored the first 14 points of the fourth quarter. The game was over. 13 players scored for the Buckeyes. Cody McMahon bounced back after her tough performance against USC with uh, 22 points in just 20 minutes. None of the starters played more than 21 minutes. Ohio State was 31 of 36 on the line, from the line 86.1%, and the Buckeyes forced 28 turnovers. McGuff was very happy. Head coach Kevin McGuff, I should say, for Ohio State, was very happy with the defensive pressure. Um, Like I said, the Buckeyes together, collectively, had a nice bounce back from the loss to USC in Las Vegas on the opener. And you remember, like I say, the early games don't mean that much. Um... It doesn't actually lose as long as you lose respectably. And they lost respectably to USC. It was a tough game, back and forth. Ohio State certainly had these droughts and these stretches where they weren't scoring many points. But that second and third quarter thing, you saw that, the differences where uh, USC outscored Ohio State like 31 to 10 in the second, and the Buckeyes outscored USC 30 to 10 in the third. Shows you to make adjustments. All good things there. Um, it, look, top right LSU lost their opener. Number two, UConn lost um, on Sunday. So, it's not that big of a deal if you lose early. As long as it was respectably to a respectable opponent, it's not that big of a deal. Um, in the AP poll, the Buckeyes fell from 7 to 13. Next up for Ohio State, they've got a date with Boston College at the shot at 7 o'clock on Thursday. Eagles are 1-1. One and one. They defeated Holy Cross, but they also fell 66-59 to 59 to Harvard. So that'll be another challenge for Ohio State taking on Boston College on Thursday. All right, that's it for the Buckeye plays. Download the app. It's a free app. On uh, it's Android, it's on Apple, Fans Free Sports. Go check it out. Follow me on the X at that happens. A lot more to talk about with Ryan Day talks to the media, folks. We got two games left in the football season before we get to the Big Ten Championship. We'll keep you updated on what's going on with the Harbaugh situation in Michigan. But this has been the Buckeye Blitz. I'm Tito Jeff Fidoff. Thanks so much for tuning in. You sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 
96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.